Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. I am Chris Solomon. Uh, been away from the game for about a month now. Uh, apologies for that. We've been doing some transition stuff on the website, moving over to a new host, and didn't want to throw up a whole bunch of material um, in the process of moving over to a new host. But beyond that, we have back for, I've definitely lost count of how many times, but probably for the last time ever, we're never going to hear from this guy again because he is starting his own podcast over at foxsports.com. He is, of course, Shane Bacon. Uh, I, I've got a list of things that we have to get, have to get in now that I'm never going to hear from you again. Well, yeah, I mean, that's true. Probably just, I'm probably, I'm, I'm going to delete your number and it's like we're breaking up, really. Podcast breaking up, I guess. I mean, we can still text all the stuff we can't say online though, right? Yeah. No, it's, okay. it's. I'm it's, just making sure that that's still, that's still open and an open line of communication between us. I, I'm not sure I'd be able to watch golf tournaments or live seven days in a row without the ability to at least say, can you believe this? Somebody just said this. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think our offline conversation, we used to publicize pretty much all, it would all be on Twitter, but our offline conversations during golf is what, what has gotten me through some of these moments. Some of the stuff we talk about we can't say li- on the air. <laughs> which, which is kind of funny because I do sometimes see things you say on Twitter and I'm like, I wonder how many edits that went through before you were like, this is the one I'm going to go with. Because, I mean, some's pretty edgy still. I mean, I do think you've gotten to a point, you know, I mean, your, your following's gotten big enough to where you probably don't say a lot of stuff, right? I mean, isn't there are plenty of things you, you, you avoid or you have in your mind that you don't go with? Yeah, more because, like, I, I just try to avoid somebody misinterpreting what I'm saying. And it, it's, it's, a, it's, a fa- I, it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible because... People will like make an argument about something I'm not even arguing about. Like today, I just posted a picture, a map of all the places where they had European tour events so far this year, and, and everyone's like ripping on me for it. Like, what's well, because of the weather in Europe? I'm like, oh, of, of course it is. Like, I think I understand why they're not playing right, in Europe. Right. I just it, found it, it my interesting. Point, my point is, my point is that it's the European tour. Yeah. It's like. It's like if, if our if our West Coast swing was in Vancouver, you know. <laughs> like, well, we're we're back in the states finally, right around April. I mean, it, it is it is funny because I mean, you think about so I guess the European tour starts in Dubai mostly, right? I mean, the year would kick off kind of there, and they're there for what two or three, four weeks. They go like, South Africa. They do kind of a wraparound thing too, where and they start in South Africa, then they go to Dubai and then Qatar, and then. Thailand and India all over and then I think they start in Spain when they come back from the Masters maybe or maybe even sooner than that but I mean yeah I, I live in Europe and it's not you you don't want to be playing golf here at this time of year I mean it's nice in like Italy and southern Spain and stuff this time of year but I mean anywhere in northern Europe or in Scotland or anywhere in England you're not going to have enough daylight and you're not going to have enough enough warmth and not and lack of rain to be able to get a tournament in so it was just yeah every but every, everyone finds something to needle with every little tweet so that's what I protect myself on. I'm still not afraid to ruffle some feathers. Although I've been getting a lot of heat for for making fun of Mike Weir lately, so I'm starting to feel bad for my fellow Canadian friends. Yeah, I mean you know he he didn't do anything to you. All he did was was he all he did was play incredible golf for like a ten year stretch and then has immediately and it does not play good golf anymore. Yeah, I was going to ask you back on the European tour thing for a minute because. You know, for as many, you know, funny tweets and, and, and gifs and things like that that you create, you know, you guys are also so good. I mean, you know, you in particular with the social accounts, but like on the site and stuff, I feel like you guys are so good at, at diving deep in the numbers and finding a couple that, that kind of drive your points. And I was going to ask, where, where do you look up your stats at? Because, I mean, I have a couple of the places I go to because it is hard to find PJ Tour stats compared to European Tour stats. And do they overlap because so many events are considered both now? And I do think it's it's a it's a tough sport to nail down numbers in because there's so many tournaments all over and they don't always fall into one column. Yeah, that's it's it's hard, and that's where again I get kind of needled on certain and I have to be very careful with how I word the tweets, right? Because like um, it's like if I'm counting Spieth's victories, do I count the Hero World Championship or whatever, right, or do I count right. like? 
European tour starts when I say somebody's won five out of the last twelve starts or whatever. But no, I mean, I, I just try to I, I try to accumulate. I don't know. I use different all different sorts of. I mean, PJTour.com is pretty good about historical stats and stuff. And I, I, I go to players Yahoo pages a lot because that those are that's good for their PGA Tour stats. Right. Um, but that's where yeah, I, I, I at least like look around as well to make sure you know. I'm wording a tweet right, otherwise somebody's just going to blow me up on on something I said. But um, yeah, I, mean, I try to. Uh, I, I got some sources too, and some guys can give me some information oh, behind the scenes. And, sources, uh, and they are. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I love I love when Mark Brody's report comes out on Mondays or Tuesdays, or whenever about the just the strokes gained and stuff. Uh, looking back at the weekend, because that's that's where. I think a lot of people still have a long ways to go as far as incorporating that into analysis, and I think it's it's such important data, and a lot of people re- like refuse to kind of uh, make try even try to make sense of it. Even even guys on tour. I mean, when I talked when I talked to Billy Horschel on the podcast, he just he said stroke gain, strokes gained tee to green was the uh, the only stat he doesn't look at, and I'm like me personally, I think that's the best stat there is out there. So it's really right. interesting to see. Guys that uh, you know they have these measures to help them with their game, with that is their living, and they're kind of uh, just kind of refusing to go along with it. But I mean, that's that's a little bit like the the analytics in in baseball and in NBA now and stuff. Where for so long people were going, look, there's so much more information out there that you can dive into, and all the kind of old school types were like, no, it's about wins or, or ERA <laughs> or uh, oh. you know. Uh, a jump shooting team can't win the championships. I mean, I just feel like there's so many of those type of people out there, and you do wonder if, if players just have been, uh, you know, they've been pointed to certain things. You know, I mean, what's your what's your putting average? You know, what's your right. what's your scrambling stats? Things like that. But um, yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting when you do dive into it because I do think of all the sports, it seems like golf would be the most analytical one to look at, and I do think that a lot of the time people just stop looking at it. It's like top tens. I mean. I go to top tens a lot when I'm looking at how players have played because, to me, I mean, if you're playing consistent golf, that's great. But it's funny because, I mean, what's so different from a tie from 11th and a tie for 10th? There's nothing. So, I mean, I really try to find trends in that. So, if there's a tie, if there's six top 14s and eight starts, I mean, that to me, that's just as impressive because you're just right around the lead, you know, in a lot of events. Yeah, and oftentimes it's like one shot that's really making the difference in that. Right. But it's, it's and, and, the, and the backdoor top 10 guys that we always joke about. Cooch. <laughs> And we got. I mean, we got to throw Rory into that conversation at least a little bit now. That guy loves a backdoor top ten when he's not winning tournaments. He, his scoring average on Sundays and events he's not really in contention in. It's got to be absolutely one of the best of all time. If he's if he's eight shots out of the lead, he's going to shoot sixty six or sixty five on Sunday. I mean, it's. Do you think there's like a free willing thing where he's like, let's just go out here and bang it and just you know make a whole bunch of birdies and who cares and like. Maybe when when Rory's not thinking about it, it, it's it's the scariest golfer in the world. Yeah, I just I can't get my bearings on Rory right now. I've been so excited for his comeback, um, and you know the the putting grip change I think kind of ruffled some feathers and got a lot of people's attention. And he's actually quietly putted very very well since making that switch. It's a small sample size at this point, but it's his ball striking that's holding him back right now. And I wonder if. Um, I mean, it's complete speculation, obviously, but if, I wonder if like the change in putting has shifted his focus from his ball striking or, or something like that. But it, I mean, he's consistently one of the best ball strikers in the game, and he just keeps making like f- terrible, terrible mistakes that are costing me. Like, I don't know how many double bogeys he made this weekend, but um, I still think. I mean, hot, flaming hot take here. I think he's going to be. Uh, I'm ready for him to contend at Augusta. I mean, I think I, I felt I feel better about him this year at Augusta than I did last year when he was number one player in the world, and everyone's talking about the career slam. I mean, I I, I don't know if I I don't know if I agree 100 percent just because we haven't seen him consistently play yeah. well at an event yet, and, and to me, it's like you know we've seen and, and it was and somebody even said it this morning on on Twitter. They said, I mean, you know, you you look at the top six players in the world, and and Rory's the one with the the, the longest time between his last win, and that was in November. I mean, it's not like it's been forever since he's won, but, um, you know, Spieth obviously had the early season win, and, and another guy that's not been very consistent this season either, but, um, you know, Day comes out last week and obviously, you know, wins with not his best stuff, which is kind of Jason Day-ish. I mean, you know, we talk about how talented Rory is, and people always talk about, like, Rory's the Ferrari, and, you know, he's the guy that when he's got his best stuff, nobody can beat him, and I'm starting to wonder, is Jason Day the same oh, thing? Because yeah. I, I, we, we, it seems for some reason it does seem that 
even in the top three, top four conversation, the big three, big three, four, whatever you want to call it, Adam Scott's in there as well, obviously, this year. But it does seem like Day's the one that gets the minimalist amount of fanfare for that. And he does have the talent that, like, in, like we saw this past weekend, can win with a B game. And we haven't really seen a top player win like that in, in a long, long time, really, back to the, the one man that we won't speak of. Right. No, I think uh, I wrote this, uh, I forget, a couple, about maybe a month, or, a month or so ago. I said, it, it just felt like his run at the end of last year felt like a long time ago, right? And right. it really wasn't that many starts ago. And I just wrote, I said, I hope we just don't lose perspective on what he did at the end of last year. And, it, and you're right, it does just kind of seem forgotten at times. Not forgotten, I mean... Uh, he's not like a sleeper by any means. I mean, everyone knows the name, but I feel like at six was it five wins in his last twelve starts, like in six wins in the last you know year and a half. Right? It's a that that's 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 not something like I could be wrong. Has Rory done that before? Speed's not done that before. Like this is this is this is something that you know uh, the current players in the game we've never seen. I mean, yeah, Phil in his past. But it, I don't know. This feels very, very significant to me, and I agree. Maybe it's just because he's Australian, he's not European or American, and most of the journalists are American and European, but that he's not getting the full, full attention. But, man, just that gear that he pushes it into, it, uh, it, uh, I, I think that question of whose game is, you know, who wins at their A game is unanswerable at this point. Right. And I, I think you and I may even talk about this last time we talked. I'm, I, I think I spoke about it with John Swantek, actually, said, I'm ready to put speed in that category too. I mean, look at that A game he threw out at Kapalua this year. Like, right. You don't that you don't look at look at that and say, oh, Rory or Jason's A game beats that. Like these guys can have this. They all have this gear to get it to. And uh, I mean, honestly, I'm re- I, I, I I think Ricky's A A game is 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 right on par with all those guys. We may not see it as much as we do with Day or something like that, but man, it's just such. A, it's I keep saying it, but it's just such a good time to be a golf fan. And. You know, to, to, to piggyback on the point you made, is it isn't it weird that it's 2016 and it does seem like, depending on what region of the world you're from, that matters at how much we talk about you. You oh, know, like okay. somebody like Matsuyama, who to you and I, I feel like we're like obsessed with his golf game and, and, and know when his short game's clicking. Now, I mean, he's got a chance to win pretty much any tournament out there, but for some reason it isn't thrown in that list. Uh, of Speeds and, and Fowlers, and, and really, Rory's in there just because of what he's done, you know, I mean, in the sense of, of talking about him, because I think when you hear people bring up the big guys in golf, Speeds the first name that comes out of people's mouths, and then the, the everyday sports fan that, that, that occasionally talks about golf almost always goes to Ricky, you know, because he's an American, and, he, yeah. and he's known, and people like him, and all that stuff, but, you know, you wonder, just because Day's pretty unassuming, you know, he's got his family, he does his own thing, he takes time off, uh, he seems to be have live a pretty regular life. I mean, he drives an RV around to golf tournaments. You know, you wonder if if all of those things factor into this like weird perception of what time of player he is. Even though we've seen, like you said, at the end of last year, we saw him go on a run that was pretty historic. I mean, I, I do. You know, you think back to fourteen, Rory won the two majors, and then I think he won at Firestone as well. He yeah. won like three tournaments in a row, or three out of four, and um, you know that was obviously an impressive, impressive run, but. I mean, they, they did that, you know, almost on steroids. And then, I mean, you're talking about a putt away from, from being in a playoff at the British Open as well. So, you know, it, it's just funny. And, and like you and I, we joke and talk about names like Patrick Reed or Kepka or somebody like that all the time. And again, those are Americans. It's right. just funny that, that, you know, I wonder if that, I mean, I guess it plays into it. I just think it's funny as, as global as the game is that that still could be an issue. Yeah, I think, and I, I like. I'm interested to get your take on this as whether this is a new thing or not. Maybe within the last ten years, but a lot of it's based on Q rating right now, right? I mean, like you said, Ricky is his Q rating is off the charts, right? Amongst amongst golfers, and him being American probably has a lot to do with that. Uh, but I, I'm guilty of it too, though. I mean, like if Henrik Stenson's in the lead of a tournament, I, and you know, if I'm if I'm out of town or traveling, and the likelihood of me streaming it that from my phone versus, you know, if Ricky's in the lead or like down the, down the stretch of the waste management is, and it's much lower. I'm much, much more likely to tune in if it's Ricky at the top. And I don't know, I'm probably, so I, I have a hard time criticizing anyone or, you know, even picking that apart because I'm probably as guilty as anyone on it. I mean, and, and look at when golf went through its lowest of lulls and not to, not to knock these guys, but, I mean, when Martin Keimer and Luke Donald and Lee Westwood are passing around the number one ranking and Padraig Carrington's winning majors, I mean, 
not the sexiest group of guys in the sense of curating, like you're saying. I mean, it was a time where Tiger was hurt, Phil wasn't doing a ton with his golf game, and we were kind of waiting for that next young star to emerge. And, you know, we had a couple of people come out time and time again, but nobody was really grabbing at that. And it's a little bit like Adam Scott. I mean, Adam Scott is everything you'd want in a, in a champion golfer, right? I mean, yep. he, he's, he's as nice as people can be. He's, he's got an amazing golf swing. He hits it forever. Um, he says all the right things, does all the right things. Obviously, he's a handsome fella. And <laughs> when... When he gets to the podium, you're 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 changing the channel. You know, it's just it's not that it's not necessarily quote unquote exciting stuff. You should have led with he's obviously a handsome guy because that's 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 what his A billing is right there. But, <laughs> that's, that's what he hangs his hat on. Is exactly right. Uh, but I remember how excited we were last year going into the, the storylines going into the Masters, and it, like it's going to be the exact same this year except even bigger. Like Adam Scott winning twice going into this day, who's obviously had a ton of success there. Spieth, his average finish is 1.5 in his two Masters starts. Uh, have you made your pick for the Masters yet? God, I'm leaning towards Oosthuizen so much. Wow, you I love Oosthuizen. You love him. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you look at some of the numbers, and he hasn't had a lot of a ton of success in the sense of um, of consistent golf at Augusta. But I mean, obviously made the playoff against Bubba. But you know, that's one of the issues with Schwartzel is you know he's playing great golf and he gets the win and he looks really really impressive down the stretch. But he has the lone solid finish at Augusta. And you wonder if, uh, as I, I've written this a couple times in my little Masters previews, but um, I do think Augusta is probably the best example of a golf course that's a horse-for-course golf course that yeah. we've ever seen. I mean, Jack was there, but you know, not just Jack and, and Tiger and Phil and names like that. I mean, I look at, like, Jose Maria Lothable or, like, Nick Faldo and these kind of, you know, Ben Crenshaw, these people that uh, seem to play Augusta consistently well because they knew it. And so you wonder if um, the consistent play going in, somebody like Spieth, who, as you mentioned, went finished second first, um, just gets the course. And when he gets there, like Fred Couples, things click and you go, oh, I'm at peace or you know, yeah. I'm, I'm at home or I'm comfortable. And, and, and they just have a good week because those feelings just all get to the top of their skin and they're so excited. And you look at Martin Keimer, obviously a world-class player and a multi-major winner who never plays well at Augusta, you know, and, and, and you just wonder why, and it's just obviously a course that might not set up for his eye. Yeah, but, God, it's so funny you said, just slipped that in, obviously multiple major winner. Like, that that fits in so perfectly with what we were just talking about, about how, like, Ricky Fowler's Q rating and how much we talk about him, and he's not won a major. And <laughs> Keimer's won two, and we just kind of brush him under the rug. Granted, he's yeah. not he's not yeah. backed that up well with consistency, so I can see where that comes from, but... Uh, man, it's just so funny to hear you just slide that slide that in multiple winner. But uh, when was the last time you looked at the Masters odds? How fresh are they in your mind? Um, I, I look at them when I get them emailed to me. Yeah. You know, and I, I I actually have the the match play odds open in front of me. Um, you know, the, the Vegas odds are always interesting because they obviously point towards, as you mentioned, some names that people are going to want to throw money on. That's why a name like Tiger might still be forty to one to win the Masters. You know, but. Um, I was going to ask, you know, before we kind of dive all the way into the Masters, I just kind of wanted to hear it because I hadn't really seen exactly what you said on it. Uh, what did you think last week about all the people saying um, they couldn't believe Americans were skipping Arnold Palmer's event? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I shared an article that Bob Herrick wrote for ESPN that just nailed it. I mean, it, it's it's the way the setup, the schedule has set up this year. The PGA Tour did absolutely no favors to Arnie. And right. it's a tough year because the Olympics, like, the Canadian Open probably got screwed the most. It's the uh, it's the week between the British Open and PGA Championship, and I'm just assuming nobody except for Mike Weir and Brant Snedeker and all RBC well, guys are going to play that. Going down on Weir again. I have to do yourself. it. I'm contractually obliged to throw we, that in there. We need, so. to get the, we need to get you a beep button, and you can do it like you cuss every time you go after Weir. <laughs> I need to add a dollar to the Mike Weir jar every time I mention him. But um, I mean, you, I think you and I talked about this offline, but it's like. What do you skip out of this group? And I don't have the schedule right in front of me, but it's like uh, Valspar, the name, I mean, the tournament itself is not like the sexiest name, but players love that golf course, and it gets a pretty darn good field. Um, You're not skipping the WGC the week before that. Honda Classic is one uh, one of the most challenging courses, one of the best fields of the year. Riviera is the week before that. Pebbles the week before that. Waste management is one of the most fun events of the year. Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines is before that. 
And then after Bay Hill, you've got the match play. You can't really skip that unless you're Henrik Stenson. And uh, then you've got Houston. If you want to start before the Masters, like that's your that's where you got to play. And then you're at the Masters. Like, what do you skip out of that group? I know. I totally agree. I, I mean, I, I I had that event circled as the one a lot of those guys were going to skip too. Was 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 just I mean. You know, I mean, it's no knock to Arnold Palmer. That's what no. I thought was so weird. Was that it seemed like people thought people were taking it like a, like they were like it was a personal assa- like assassination of Arnold Palmer's golf tournament. <laughs> You're like, listen, this isn't they, these guys love Arnold Palmer. I mean, you know, he's a legend. It's like it's just because his name's on top of the tournament doesn't mean these guys have to be there. You know, yeah. I mean, if you've got to skip an event here or there to, to make your schedule make sense and to be fresh for, I mean, listen. It's the media's fault for making majors so important, and that's why these guys do this. I mean, they yeah. they have four big events a year, and if they win those, it is not only career defining, but it seems like you get into a different echelon of of who you are as a player. I mean, we mentioned Ricky Fowler. You know, Ricky has played incredible golf the last year and a half, and excuse me, the last two years. I mean, he finishes in the top five in the majors a couple of years ago, and then he finally starts winning last year. And the question still, when are you going to win a major? And I think that's why. You've got to make sure you're not only ready and prepared, but you're refreshed. I mean, look what Jason Day just did coming in. Uh, he's really kind of prepared his schedule to be fresh, you know, headed into Augusta into kind of the meat of the, the, the middle of the season tournament. So, you know, it's just that that's like you said, it's just kind of the schedule dictated the fact that a lot of guys had to make had to make this a, a week off. But I mean, it, the bigger question for me is I just don't get how you can sit in our shoes and not you and I, because I think we're on the same page here, but how you can sit back and like criticize a player for the way that he schedules his tournaments. Like right. you have the player has full autonomy as to what he wants to play and what he doesn't. It could I mean, me personally, Bay Hill is not the most appealing golf course to me. It's right. not it's not must see TV and from a TV perspective, just the fact that it's Arnie's tournament doesn't add a ton from my, to my viewing. The same way like I grew up watching, going to the Memorial, watching the Memorial, so it's different from, like a, I guess, a sentimental perspective for me. But I wouldn't tune in, if I wasn't from Dublin, Ohio, I wouldn't tune in to see Jack Nicholas in the booth or tune in to watch, you know, because it's Jack's tournament. It's not, it's not, that doesn't add that much to a viewer's, I guess, enjoyment of the tournament. I would tune in to see Mirfield Village. That, that golf course is bomb, and that right. field is amazing, and that tournament's always really, really well done. But I mean, something like I don't know. I'm not. I'm just not tuning in to to what to see Arnie in the booth. I don't know if that makes me a bad fan, or I don't mean that in disrespect to Arnie at all. I got to be very careful talking about Arnie because it's anything could be seen as like an insult. But um, yeah, I think it's just enough. It's a again, it, you got you got to you got to circle something out. If you're going to call people out for not going to that tournament, you got you got to tell me which one they're supposed to skip. Yeah, and you know what's funny is, is I'm, I'm currently reading um, the Chasing Greatness book about Oakmont, um, and uh, and it's it's a it's a really interesting book just because it kind of talks about all the big events there. And when when Arnie was like in his young 40s, um, he was struggling with his game, and he and he had his first season, and he didn't have a win. I think about it like 73 or something, and he didn't have a victory or 72. And he took an enormous amount of time off from the tour when back then, the, you know, the tour had four or five names that if they didn't play those events, nobody cared. Yeah. And he said, I got to go back. I, I'm going to go work with my dad. It was right before the U S open, um, was going back to Oakmont. And so it must've, this wasn't a 73. It must've been the one in 60, but, um, you know, it was, it was so interesting because like back then he takes all that time off and yeah, I mean, the tour was probably affected from it since he wasn't there and Arnie was such a big draw in golf, but he had to do it because he had to go figure out what is wrong with his golf game, why he wasn't playing well, why he wasn't, wasn't hitting it very well, and that's what has to happen. And, and the same, and these guys can't play every single week. I mean, it's crazy, and they're trying to listen. Right. Spieth's trying to play every week. I don't know why he's trying to, but he's literally trying to play almost every tournament. And I mean, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what Spieth's game looks like if he kind of keeps this up. I mean, I understand get you know get the money when you can, especially right now in the early season events, but. You know, I mean, it, you've got to take some breaks, and I think that's why. And, and it just ha- so happened to be this week. And if, if they would have said this week is the and just had a blank on every tournament, people would have still skipped it. They didn't skip it because it was it was had anything to do with Arnold Palmer. Yeah, no, I think that again this year's screwy, and I'm sure the Olympics had something to do with it. But making the match play some point after the Masters, right? I mean, you have a long time sure. between the Masters. Absolutely. 
Masters and the U.S. Open, there's two, over two months between. I know you have the players in there, but you just can't you can't try to squeeze all all that into uh, before the Masters. And if any, yeah, I mean, if anything, I, I think I forget if it was you or I that talked about it. This was the year they could have got away with moving the PGA Championship like into February or something. Right. Like that. Oh, that I love been. that. Yeah, that was that was a, I love that idea. I mean, so after the Masters, it goes Heritage, uh, Texas Open, Zurich, Wells Fargo. So really. If you threw match play in that Valero, so this is what you could have done, I guess, is throw match play in that Valero Texas Open date, and then you keep all the people in Texas because they'd be in San Antonio and then they'd be going to the Shell. So you have the Texas Open there uh, the week before the Shell, and then you could at least give people a week off after the Masters and two weeks before Wells Fargo because um, a lot of people are going to play there, obviously, and then um, you know, then you get into the players in AZ and T. And then, I mean, my guess is after the players. Before the U.S. Open, so after the players, there's four events before the U.S. Open. I'll, I bet you see the big boys play just Memorial, and that's it. Like I don't think they'll. Play, I don't think a lot of the guys will play Byron Nelson. I don't think no. uh, whatever the Colonials called now, the Dean and DeLuca. Um, then you got Memorial. Then you got FedEx. I would say you'll see that'll be their big break because they know after that that's when the three majors happen yeah. in 45 days, and then they're the Olympics. Yeah, you have to. I mean, the big guys are going to skip. I think Speed still goes to – is he going to RBC again this year? There's no way. Four in a row? He can't. I mean, he just can't. I no. mean, you can't. You just can't do it. I, I, would, I would be surprised. What, ha- what happened last year, I think, is he committed to it before he won the Masters. Right. And he so kept he had it. to go. Yeah. My guess is he probably hasn't committed to it this year. Right. Yeah, and I think you have to commit by Friday the week before, though, right? right. And so I, I'd be shocked if he played that this year. It doesn't. It does not make sense. But uh, pivoting off uh, – backing up real quick. To what you said, though, anybody out there that's thinking like, "Oh, it's just golfers; they can't do that." Like, like about playing week after week after week. Shut up! Like, it's fatigue is a very real thing. Your golf game suffers on it. Absolutely. Um, I, I got, mean, I got it's eighteen holes, five, five, six days a week. I mean, that's eighteen holes walking, and you're waiting. I mean, that's the thing too. It's like practice rounds aren't fast. These guys aren't on practice rounds playing in two and a half hours. They're out there for six hours, you know, and they're playing a pro am and. Um, it's, I mean, that's that's exhausting. I mean, you're at the golf course for 10, 12 hours if you've got to do a press conference and stuff. I mean, it's not like you yeah. dip in and dip out for four holes. Yeah, no, I, I talked about that with Max Homa, and uh, somebody uh, somebody replied and said, everyone gets tired at their jobs. I'm, t- I'm sick of you talking about that to golfers. I'm like, all right, whatever, man. Um, but pivoting off this, are you worried about Spieth at this point? No, no, I'm not worried okay. about him. I... I you know, I, I'm intrigued to see what happens when he does get it back clicking again, um, because he obviously hasn't. His game's not clicking, and, and I think we can see that. But you know, it, we're we all still look at these players that are great, and we expect them to be great every week. And that's the biggest misconception and the biggest wrongdoing we can do to any really good player because. The era now, not not. I mean, we're not talking about Tiger right now. We're simply talking about the players in this era compared to the players in 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003. And I mean, I'm not sure anybody would argue that those guys were better. I mean, I think that the talent right now is is so deep that a bad week now is a tie for 40th or a miscut. It's not a tie for 11th. You know, if you don't hit it great and don't make putts, there are going to be 20, 25 guys that do that week. You know, and that's why we see. Every week we see random guys near the top of the leaderboard as well. I mean, while maybe Day wins, you see four or five names up there that might miss the next three cuts, but they just had a good week. So, you know, it's it's hard for me to sit there and go, what's what's going on with Spieth's game? It's more when is it when is he going to get out of the funk a little bit? Because you know it, it has it has been what two months since why? Yeah, no, yeah, I'm not concerned either. I was just looking at um, what he did running off. I think you and I talked about this too. We were saying, I, I went and looked up his stretch from last year. And I'm like, well, let's look at what he did a month before the Masters last year. It couldn't have been that good. And I was like, oh, okay. He was like first, second, second, first, leading up right. whatever into the Masters. I was like, okay, maybe that, that point is not the best point to make. But um, I'm not concerned. I don't know. Concern's not the right word. I just look at him and Rory. It doesn't, it, day to day, there's no telling, there's no idea what to expect at this point. Like, they're they're very up and down. You see some of the worst rounds I've seen Spieth play, and uh, again, it's not like something like easily fixed like putting. It's like a big, horrible ball striking round, hitting the ball in terrible, terrible places. And if you're not controlling your misses in time for Augusta, you just can't win there. You can't get away with your misses there. So 
concerned in the right word. I'd like to see him play play well going into the Masters, but even if I, I, he's still my, I'm sticking with my pick. He's been my pick since the preseason. I expect him to go back to back at the Masters, but I'd like to at least see something before you know before we set foot in Augusta. Well, that and, and agreed, and, and that's again, you know, this is why I think the match play is smart for all these guys to throw in. Yeah. Um, you know, while we talked about if, if it was if it was a couple weeks after, the good thing about the match play is even if you don't have your best stuff, you could win a match or two, which would be awesome and be good for your confidence. And if you lose the first match, you just chalk it up to I got beat that day, and then you were only at a tournament for a day, and now you can go work on some stuff and get ready for another stroke play event. You know, I, I think it's a it's a smart time now for Speed to go out there and, uh, you know, I mean, play uber aggressive or, or do something uh, a little bit different because I just think this event is so so unique. Not just because it's match play, but because you can you can do stuff differently, you can play golf courses differently, and you can really approach the the round a little bit different. And it doesn't hurt the way you do the things because all you've got to do is beat the guy in front of you. Um, also, I mean, the match play really is like on paper one of the best events, right? I mean, it, it, it's it's a lot of fun to watch because you do get so many big names playing each other, and, and it really goes on throughout the week. So if you're at work, you can just you know throw PGA Tour live on, see that plug, and um, <laughs> you know you you can you can you can pay attention if Speed plays Fowler or if Speed plays Justin Thomas. You know, that that's something fun for golf fans to see because you really do get that Sunday feel for like five straight days. I me, I like the old format. I, I, I like the one and done. Um the way it currently works now, it's still kind of one and done. Um, but it's more like a death march after you you lose your first match. I forget what the stat is, but like there's the your your chances of, of coming out of the group if you lose your first match are just minimal. Um which from that perspective it makes sense to you know, keep keep Spieth around for a couple more rounds if he uh, if he loses that first match. But I, it, it's the same as the NCAA tournament. It's like the first couple rounds are the most exciting. Those first few days of the match play were the best. You know, you get um, you get like guys from all over the board playing playing against each other, and usually by the end you get kind of tired out. And I I find myself rarely ended up watching the final few matches right because. Um, it's, it's, you know, a lot of commercials. It's, it's very slow in between shots and there's only two, two or four golfers on the golf course. It's just, it's hard to make an entertaining broadcast, but, um, I, it's in my, in my head, it always seems like a great tournament. I'm looking, oh, I'm pumped for the match play. But by the end of it, like by, after on the day five of match play, I've, unless it's somebody I'm really interested in the final, I've kind of burnt out on it by that point, but it's the same as NCAA tournament. It's, I mean, it's, it's. <laughs> Did they, do you think they purposely made it during March Madness this year? I don't know. That's a good question. I one of my ideas this week. I, I really want to go up to some of the guys that, that are a little bit open to chat and um, do some videos and, and have them after the the bracket comes out. Um, I want to see which team they would compare themselves to. Huh. You know, so um, is is Spieth, is Spieth North Carolina or does he feel since he hasn't been playing great, maybe he's a little sneakier. You know, maybe he's uh, maybe he's that that four seed that people could see make the final four or is, um, you know, maybe somebody down the list, uh, uh, maybe, you know, Bernd Wiesberger or something could, I mean, well, I mean, does, does he pay pay attention to it? But, you know, is, does he feel like he's a Syracuse type who, you know, got in and now he can make a run? I would just be interested to see if they even pay it. I mean, I think these guys pay attention to the tournament. I know speed put his bracket out there, but, um, by the way, he also had my Mountaineers in the final four. So he also had my Mountaineers in the final four. Mountaineers at St. Joe's. Oh my God! I was like, did St. Joe's sponsor his bracket? Like, who, who, who picked them making it? Also, I had uh, I had your, your your West Virginia team going pretty far too. So thanks a lot. But I mean, I can't say anything. Arizona lost in the first round. Yeah, yeah that's what I I uh, I meant to say that at the very beginning when we came on about us drowning our tears with uh, or distracting ourselves with a, po- a golf podcast because our college basketball seasons are over. But um, I don't get to watch college basketball anymore at all. So uh, I, my heart was uh, I did get to watch some of that game, but uh, again, life goes on. Um, but no, I think did you uh, did you see that they're broadcasting two hours worth of the selection show this yes, week? Yes. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. I don't know if you remember. I had a post like a couple years ago about how infinitely more exciting the match play would be if, like, the in some sort of fashion, the players got to choose their opponents. Right. So, um, like, the bottom half of the bracket, like the numbers thirty three through sixty four. 
get put up on the board and spread out evenly as if like the same way they would an NCAA tournament, like a 16 seed, etc. But the top like 32 guys, it'll be like a blind bidding. Think like Jeopardy or something. Like if you're ready to put your name up and like choose your opponent, you get to bid and it goes in like a priority system, right? So if you're number one player and you and you want to pick your opponent, you press the button and you get to go. And you take your nameplate and you go up and you you hand it to your opponent, right? So if you if Ian Poulter's the sixty four seed, which he almost was, like and Spieth wants a Ryder Cup preview to beat him, like he gets to walk up to Poulter and say I, I challenge you to a duel and put it on TV with fans cheering and get the players boozing. And you can't tell me that wouldn't add a lot of intrigue to this event. I, my, my only fear is I think that might get better ratings than some, <laughs> than some of the early coverage. That would be amazing. I think everybody would watch that. Right? You, you could get a friends in the, in the audience, like, Oh, they like speed picks Jamie Donaldson first and his Donaldson's friends are booing and throwing <laughs> stuff on the, on, I, this is a great idea. I love this. I, I am 100% in. I, I also think you could carry this over, and on the Tour Championship, the, you know, we, we keep wanting the Tour Championship to be match play. You get to do that as well. The first 15 guys to pick their 15th opponent, you know, the other 15 guys as their opponent in the, first, in the first round of the match play Tour Championship, which, again, how fun would it be to watch the Tour Championship with these guys playing for, playing for 10 million bucks? I mean, they'd get nervous for sure. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, wouldn't they? We've talked about this. I think of like um, you can handicap it, right? And you can whatever the top eight seeds get double buys or whatever. And having it end like on a Wednesday night, um, it ends during the middle of football season as it is, right? To have the final be ten million dollars showdown. If you end up with Ricky Fowler versus Rory for ten million bucks, like on a Wednesday night, people are going to tune into that and watch that more than yes. they would on a Sunday. A stroke play event, but Absolutely. let's 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 stay on on topic here because I'm not done sorry, with my sorry, jokes. Sorry, you transitioned ima- over to, a, to an event in six months. <laughs> Can you imagine how many binders Bones would have to bring into the event? Like the numbers that Phil would have behind all of his potential opponents. He, 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 he would, would he, he would be soaring soaring. Uh, what's his weakness? He, <laughs> yeah. he'd, he'd, have, he'd have four pages on his short game. It was just every everybody's been thoroughly vetted throughout the whole process. I'm telling you, man, this would be amazing. This would be absolutely amazing. <laughs> but uh, Bones would have to take a couple of weeks off before he'd, he'd have to have like a interim caddy in just so Bones could be like, "Listen, man, I got, I got way too much homework, homework to knock out on this." <laughs> Keegan, if he somehow makes it in, would be unable to like make a decision and to be keep hesitating and backing He's off. Walks up to the mic and backs off. That's right. Jordan Spieth is like, I just want to say, this isn't like a formal challenge. I really respect Jamie Donaldson. I think he's a great player, but I think I like the way this bracket plays out. And this guy, he would be so political about it. <laughs> I, I love, I, I love Scott Piercy. Great guy, great player. Uh, feel like I could win eight and seven, so I'm going to take Piercy. Um, how, how does Scott Piercy get in this field? <laughs> he, he, you know what? I still say this. Piercy had one of the best final rounds last year. I watched. all all year it was a it was whatever tournament he won that went it was like a, the, like how the event this week's going against the WGC he shot like a final round 65 or something and it was like the most pure round of all time I was like all right there you go I mean I know it's the B level event but that was pretty impressive he won a tournament last year <laughs> what, let me yeah, I'll, let me let me let me figure let me make sure I'm not mad I'm not a dream I'm not a dream about Scott Pierce you never know I, I don't um, think he won a golf tournament last year he won the Barbasol Championship. Three strokes over Will Wilcox when Wilcox made that like ninety footer on the eighteenth hole to pretty much secure his card for this year. Okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll I won't Google. I, I see it now. You're right. You're right. Uh, I had no idea. I was still I was uh, burying my. T- that was the uh, the opposite week of the Open Championship where I was uh, drinking my uh, drowning my sorrows in whiskey with Zach Johnson's win. So um, I know people. I I was there and I saw it. Um, I still have to like go on Wikipedia and verify it when people say that Mark Leishman was in the playoff of the Open Championship last year. Like I, I refuse to believe that was actually a thing that happened. And, and, and the best story by far was Leishman winning. I mean, they, that yeah. was what was so funny. Is like everybody was like, "Who is this guy?" And I'm like, uh, "It'll be like make your make you cry at your computer level stuff if he wins." Where this whole story about you know his wife was was close to passing away and. And she made it through, and then she told, and he said, you know, I don't take golf seriously anymore. I just want to, like, be happy with my family. And it was all the same year. It would have been crazy. And everybody, like, just kind of glossed over that. And they were like, 
Well, you know, Usi could win two in a row at St. Andrews, or Zach Johnson could join that elite Augusta St. Andrews group, and uh, yeah, I think I think I think Leishman like bogeyed the first two holes or something and was completely out of it. But um, I, I, I've still said I think that might have been the most depressing uh, playoff in the sense of how much drama there was leading up to it, and then and then what it what it kind of turned into. Yeah. Uh, we were all we had this Spieth and Jason Day thing all happened and all at the same time, and then you're like. Wait, wait, who's in the playoff? What, what three guys? I don't even know if I watched it all the way to the end. I was like, I think, uh, I, mean, I was obviously rooting for, I'm sorry, to say, sorry, Mr. Leishman, if you're listening, but I was rooting for Usti. Um, that any, anybody but ZJ at that point. But uh, yeah, to have Day and Spieth miss it by one shot, like that could, if that was a five way playoff, imagine that from oh a history goodness. standpoint. St. Andrews, three, and, and they have to play, they have to play, what, three holes, four holes, three holes, and it's like, or four holes, I guess, and you're four, like, yeah. this is four holes with five guys, and it's and, and nobody gets knocked out because it's not sudden death. <laughs> Would have been bananas. Do they play all five at the same time? They have to, right? Yeah, they have to. I think, yeah, when they have the six man playoff, the Northern Trust, like in 2001, they all played at the same time. So, yeah, I think you have you, you don't have a choice. <laughs> they go off a threesome and a twosome in a playoff. You, my favorite part of that was Ivor Robson rolling out of the jigger in just. Had to have been eight pints deep to have to call that playoff. He thought he was retired. He thought he was done. He's he's, walk, he's walking off. He's he's shaking hands. People are hugging him, and they're like, "Hey, listen, we need you back for like three minutes, really quick. Sorry about that." <laughs> I got a great story of uh, we were. I got to play St. Andrews about a week after the Open, and uh, my buddy and I, like. We're coming around. He beat me on the first day. We got to play San Andreas twice. He beat me the first day, and he was letting me hear it a lot, a lot. And uh, he, we're playing. It's evening time, and there's these dudes. There's like a dude, like a group of fifteen guys out at the jigger end, just like hammering it up, just pounding pints. And he hits it into the road hole bunker, right? And uh, and he goes in there, and I, I'm filming. It. I have my GoPro out, and I'm, I'm filming him. It takes him four shots to get out of the road hole bunker, and he makes a ten. And like I, he was furious, absolutely furious. And uh, so we go. He goes up to the next. It goes up to the eighteen t and takes the box from me. He tees, he, he steals the box, steals the honor, and tees off in front of me. And these dudes like start rolling out onto the course, and they just start yelling at him like, "What are you doing? We saw you. You're still in that bunker. You're still in the road hole bunker." <laughs> It's what makes that place so cool. Oh, it's, God, it's so those, awesome. People can, like, I mean, th- there's no place in the world, I, maybe I'm wrong, but is there a place in the world that when an amateur makes, like, an eight-footer on the 18th green at any given time, there's, like, 20 people that'll clap? Yeah. Oh, they're, they're, they're the fan. well, the only, thing, only problem I had about it is the, the sight lines were terrible. Like, the, the layout of that course is just not meant for a fan attendant, unless you're in a bleacher like you just you couldn't see what was going on, and the routing is all around the outside of the course. You can barely cut through the inside of the course, so I had a hard time seeing anything. So people just post up on individual holes and just go nuts when every single player comes through because they're just so excited to see golfers, and that they they had to work probably pretty hard to get those seats. But right, right. it's not the I, I again I'm spoiled by having going to the Memorial every year, and that that course is literally built like an amphitheater around every hole and every tee shot. Um, but yeah, it's not the, not the best for sight lines. Uh, it was, oh man, that town and that, that whole, oh, I had, I did a, for, if you're listening for the first time, I did a whole podcast on, on our trip to St. Andrews, our golf trip, which is both as a viewer and as a, a game to play it. You can, you absolutely cannot beat that. And you can speak to that. You live, you used to live there. Yeah. I mean that, that, you know, you, when you look back at life, I, I always laugh, you know, when I talk to my dad and he tells most of the things he talks about is just basically stories from like 25 years ago, you know? And, um, you know, you, you, you make like this completely ridiculous decision when you're 21 years old, when your friend's like, let's go to St. Andrews for the summer. And I'm like, uh, okay, whatever. Sure. That sounds fun. And then you look back on it and you're like, damn, that was a good decision. I'm really, 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 really glad we did that back when we had no reason not to, you know, because it's like, it's like you, I mean, what I love about you living in Europe right now, and you know, I follow your, your Snapchat and, and Instagram and all that stuff, is you know, you're one of those people I think that has just been like, I have this cool opportunity, I have this ability to travel when I can, and what, when I get free weekends, and you just do it. And I think there's so many people that don't do that. You know, they just want to sit on the couch or chill 
uh, and relax between times. And I feel like, you know, it's do it when you can. And, you know, I, I went over there and, and got a caddy job. And, uh, you know, it was like, you know, we'd caddy four days a week and do two loops and that would, we'd make our money doing that. But, you know, then we'd go play golf. I mean, because, yeah. you know, we're golfers at heart. I mean, we'd go play little courses around the area like London Links or Lady Banks or uh, really any place that would really have us. And, uh, you know, we'd, we'd slam four sets of clubs and four people in a car that probably was fit for two people and just made it happen. So, just yeah, I mean, it's, it's the coolest city in the world, in my opinion. And, and I really I'm not sure if I'll ever find a place I, I like better. Yeah. No, I think uh, what honestly what you said, like the, the whole no laying up mantra or whatever that applies to golf, like applying that to life is also a very, a, I think, a very good way to live your life. Like like you said, whenever somebody, one of my friends comes up with like a travel plan for a random place, like I just go with it. I just do right. it, right? And I figure out the work part later and i probably gaining a lot of attention in my office for how much how much I'm traveling on the weekends and sometimes cutting out early on a Friday, but um it's like, i don't know i just you just kind of go for it and figure it out and yeah it's been the experience of a lifetime living over here and just getting way out of your comfort zone and doing random things and just ending up in back roads of bosnia trying to find some random waterfalls and stuff you learn a lot about yourself in those scenarios but <laughs> we, we i mean we you know we it, it, when i lived over there we we do the i mean i went to what what i always found the fun is i mean and I, i'm not sure if you've done this i think you have because i think i've seen a couple of trips you've done but I went on a couple trips just by myself without my buddies because yeah. they like had stuff planned or whatever. And man, you can have a hell of a time in a random city in Europe, you know, especially if you're open to talking to people and doing stuff. I mean, I went to Dublin one time and at some point I was at some, uh, you know, big seven or whatever, big nine rugby match with some guys that gave me an extra ticket. And I'm like, you know, I mean, these are, these are kind of things that, you know, when you're 75 years old, you can look back at those goofy pictures and, and laugh your head off. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's Europe is so cool. Why are these guys? Why do these young Americans? Why why do these guys not go over there and play in this thing? Well, I got a mailbag question. Somebody asked me about Peter Uline. Like, does he? Why does he not play in, in the United States? I'm like, uh, why 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 would he? I mean, he's doing really well over there, and he's in Europe, and it's awesome. Yeah, no, it is just different. Like you said, like doing like solo travel and whatnot. You meet people so easily, and I just I don't I don't travel solo in the U.S. ever, but and I very rarely travel solo here actually, but. Um, I, I never feel like, I don't know, I did like a tour in Belgium, I actually did like a Band of Brothers tour, um, a bunch of like old World War II battle scenes and whatnot in, in Bastogne in Belgium, and I went down there by myself because I couldn't convince any of my friends to do this really nerdy tour or whatever, and I was like, I, I, I had no fear that I was going to like end up having dinner by myself, and sure enough, like I met, met a bunch of people on the tour, we went out around Bastogne and whatnot, and it was, it was awesome, I mean... Yeah, we're way off the golf topic now. But I, was we're say, way- <laughs> I mean, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying I do too. It. Anyone that's um, listening this far is just trying to kill time anyway, so I, I don't, I don't feel bad. So, so um, I was just going to say, we talked about the podcast earlier. If you look up on iTunes, it's called The Clubhouse with Shane. Yeah, I'm ready to ask you about this. I was wondering yeah, when um, you were going to start talking so about it. So I kind of stole the name of it from one of the shows when I worked for Back Nine, and I, I messaged both the guys that were on it just to make sure they were cool with it because – um, you know, to me, the, the, the clubhouse is kind of the best part of the golfing experience, in my opinion, because either before or after, when you get to a course or you come out after, I mean, you're having a beer and you're recapping the round and you're adding up and you're, you're passing around money or you're doing watching whatever games on the TV. You know, it's to me, it's I, I want to make it feel kind of relaxed and chill like that as well. But, um, uh, it, yeah, I mean, it's basically the, the idea is to have, you know, some guests on and, and to ask them not about not only about golf, but just kind of about, you know, their way to get in the game, their way to, to, to make it professionally if, say, they play. You know, I, I think there's so many stories like that. And, and on top of that, there's so many stories of guys that got to the mountain and couldn't make it, you know, and, and I'd love to get some people like that on there as well. I mean, it's harder for them to talk about it, sure, but, um, you know, that's the that's the reality is, like, we sit there and look at Jordan Spieth and, and Ricky Fowler and these, and, you know, I mean, anybody. I mean, I mean, you know, think, I mean, Craig Perry. I mean, think of any player that's, that's made it on tour and made it for a number of years, and there's that's a great story, but you know, there's guys that, that missed out on Q school by a shot four years in a row, you know? And I, I think that's, um, for golf fans, that's kind of cool as well. So, I mean, that's really it. I'm, I'm just trying to, um, I, I've wanted to do a podcast for a while and, and, and Fox has kind of helped me out with getting it all together and stuff like that. So the preview's up. Um, if you go subscribe to it, um, it's on all the, the podcast channels too. So if you look up clubhouse or, or Shane Bacon or something, it'll be on there. But I chatted with my dad for three or four minutes, just about, um, how I got into the game and, and kind of how he got in the game when he was a kid. 
just because I'd, I'd really never asked him that question before. So um, it was an interesting little uh, dive into kind of how I started out in golf, and, and then that was kind of why I wanted to make it kind of my first little preview uh, piece. And then well, hopefully we're jumping into our, our first big guest this week. Great. Now I'm looking forward to it. But I'm, I'm definitely interested. Uh, or I, based on what you just said, the one of my favorite podcasts I've done, not that wasn't with you, of course, was uh, with the last one I did with Max Homa, who is. Oh, you know, great. I loved it. It was great. I mean, just if you get a guy that's open, like open to talk, um, and, and I think he's a guy that I would say I, I'm not going to say a struggling tour pro. He's a young guy, and he, I mean, he just lost his PGA Tour card. Now he's playing on the Web.com tour, but these guys are very. Uh, I think realistic, I guess is the right word, or realists, right? I mean, like, I told him before we went on, I'm like, I- I'm going to ask you questions, you know, about what what's different between the PGA Tour and Web.com. I hope you know I have utmost respect for the grind on it. He's like, no, dude, totally, I, I understand. And he, he just, he he understands, like, the the difference between him and the next level guy, right? And it's not like, he, he, doesn't, feel, he doesn't feel bad for himself. He loves his life, and he, lo- like, enjoys the career he has and but those some of those guys have the best the best stories right and the best way to talk about it and they, they're not like maybe as guarded as like a Jordan Spieth would be like in an interview or a podcast or something like that so it's fun to just uh to, to to talk to guys that you know aren't at the top top level of the game and certainly can be there but I mean there's just for every for every Jordan Spieth you know there's a thousand guys at that next level that just can't bust through so um, no, I, I'm, I'm excited. Some honestly, some of the best podcasts and some of the best things I listen to aren't aren't going to be with the, with the top guys, right? Because those are the guys that are coached the best on how to talk to the media. So, well, you, I know I know you're going to get Jake Laser on pretty soon. So, that'll <laughs> oh be, my god, <laughs> that'll be something. But um, yeah, it's you know what, what I find funny is so like I did mini tour golf now like ten years ago I guess I mean, maybe nine years ago something like that, and you know the guys that were dominating then um, that didn't make it. You know, I saw one not too long ago, and, you know, he lives in Ohio, and he's selling insurance, you know, and you're like, I mean, this guy was so good at So golf. good. So like, good. so good. I mean, he'd shoot 66 every time you play with him, and, you know, it just wasn't in the cards. Either, you know, mentally he couldn't do it when he had to, or, um, you know, it just, uh, you know, it wasn't the, wasn't the right year, or they changed Q school on him, or, you know, any of those, any of those reasons. It's just, it's crazy, because, you know... What I always find funny is when you look at the junior golf scene, it always seems like there's about five names, and I almost find it rare when somebody like Jordan Spieth goes on to be great on the PGA Tour because, you know, when I played junior golf and, like, AJGA golf, those guys, none none of those guys have made it that were, like, dominating that circuit when I was around. Yeah. No, I mean, I just look, same exact way, I look at the guys that, you know, would shoot 64 in high school matches and then, like... Flunk out of their college teams. It's it's right. like the level. Right. Yeah, it's it's impossible to, to properly describe. But um, running a little bit out of time, there's two more things I want to ask you about. Um, you've done one event so far with PGA Tour Live. Is that correct? Yeah, I did, I did the the Northern Trust, and I'll do it this week with uh, with the match play. Talk. How was that uh, first experience? Did you was it pretty much how you expected it to be? Is it uh, is it all is it all it's lived up to be? You know, to be a live TV on air broadcast. I know you did. The U.S. Open online last year as well. How's that different from what you're doing with PGA Tour Live, and uh, how have you liked it so far? I mean, it's it's different because you know when I did the U.S. Open, I did featured holes, which you get now. Now you know the the the, the staple in that is that you pl- you have the same hole all day, so you know um, where guys are missing putts most of the time. You know you know that you have stats on laying up and going for it and all that stuff, and 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 you know. What's the proximity to the whole average stuff like that, and that's where you get your knowledge from. I mean, it's not about the player. Um, my favorite thing about the featured groups is you're following these guys for 18 holes. I mean, you're locked in on on how they're playing. So I mean, yeah. you really get a feel for it, and you can really say, you know, he, he's hitting eight iron here from 175, and you know he hit he hit eight iron from 175 on four, and he flew the green. You know, so it's like those are the cool things I like about it. And I mean, honestly, I just love being a part of something that I think. I was hoping would be around, you know, years ago. I, yeah. I just, I love the fact that, you know, golf is the most unique sport to broadcast in the entire world. And it's the hardest sport to broadcast in the entire world because in football, you've got one field in basketball, you've got one court and tennis, you know, there might be a lot of matches happen, happening on different courts, but those cameras are fixed there and they don't need to move. They don't need, nothing needs to really happen. And I think, you know, with golf, there's guys on every hole, you know, teeing off at different times, afternoon and morning. And as a fan, if you're a Jordan Spieth diehard fan, you couldn't watch him in the morning when he played his first round. His entire, you know, before the last couple of years, ever. I mean, that was just not even an option. So I think, you know, just being a part of something that I think is kind of revolutionizing 
the way fans can consume golf and especially the golfers they like is is such a good thing for golf you know and, and, and i mean you know it i apologize that you have to hear my voice during it but you know it's i just think it's it's such a it's such a good idea by the pga tour and i just hope it continues i, I hope it gets bigger and bigger and i hope that they add more time and, and more groups and you can you know i hope in 10 years there's every morning group you could click on and at least watch it i mean there might not be audio to it but i just to me it's it's allowing golf to be a little bit more, you know, revolutionary in the sense of technology because, you know, we have the options to do it now. And I, I think the PGA Tours really kind of grasped that well. Yeah, and I, I, what I love about it is how much re- respect the announcers and the broadcast team has for the viewer, right? It's not – you're not spoon-feeding, like, all the narrative stuff that you find on, like, the Sunday afternoon broadcast. It's They know it's the hardcore fans that are tuning in. They don't need, you know, the same shtick and they don't need to, you know – have the Jim Nance hushed tones and whatnot. They just tell it like it is, and it's a much better look into what a normal PGA Tour round of golf is like. So I've been—I don't give a lot. Of, I don't give credit out very easily, and I've been very in very high praise of PGA Tour Live. And oh, it's I just—it's just the best. I mean, literally, I—I I, my Thursdays and Fridays with how I work and do my days are completely different now, just because of it. I mean, I literally wake up in the morning, I come to my desk, I put my iPad up with PGA Tour Live on. And this is like I don't I don't go to a coffee shop I don't go to a, a the, I don't go to my living room and watch anything on TV I mean this is where I go because I know for four or five hours I'll be able to watch the biggest names in the tournament you know play their round and, and and you if you watch that you know better about what went on I mean you know if speed you know maybe speed hits nine out of eighteen greens but what if five of them hit they were on the fringe you right. know you know that the, the little intricacies of his round better than. Um, somebody that's just looking at a card. Plus, I mean, it, you know, I mean, we want to watch golf. I mean, that's 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 what fans want, and that's what I mean. I'm a golf fan. I mean, I want to watch it. Right. All right. I'll get you out on this, and you know, we can't do a full podcast without even really talking about the Ryder Cup. Uh, Dude, what is the what is the one player we always mention on the podcast that we haven't mentioned this? Oh, Von Taylor, and he won Von a tournament. Taylor. And he won. <laughs> have we not Von talked about Taylor it? Won. And we didn't even about this ah, that, I, the, I, I blame you yeah it's on me it's on me i haven't done i haven't done shit for a month i want now. a Von taylor avatar for <laughs> at least a full 24 hours wait what we should just do this now we need to get what is our actual master's bet going to be so who do we have who's our bet because i'll write it down i got a piece of paper right here well so you made you, up all right so i had been drinking when you proposed this to me on twitter I, it was I, I had more people tell me that they love that twitter <laughs> Exchange that I've had people talk about. I could have a conversation with Rory McIlroy on Twitter, and people would be like, "That was funnier. I love that." Um, so you've been drinking, and you wanted to keep taking Tiger for some reason. I think. No, I kept taking. You said like you said something like, uh, "I'll give you anybody but Rory and whatever." I give me you somebody. Rory. And I took Rory because I didn't read your tweet. <laughs> so okay, so I have. Let's just let me. I'll find this here. I'll find this. And this is the very end, so I don't feel bad holding people up. Yeah, sorry. If you guys are still here, it's your fault. It's, it's really your fault. It's not ours. Yeah, this is, this is on you. This is on you. I'm searching for any times I've mentioned you, which might Who, be... Are you, taking, are you taking Von Taylor or not? Oh, God. He's in the field this year, isn't he? It's a Ryder Cup year. How could you not take him? Oh, God. He's, he's going what if he, what to... What if he finishes, like, ninth at the Masters and gets on this Ryder Cup team? It's going to be the best. <laughs> All right, here it is. You, you said, if I was handicapping the Masters field right now, this second, my favorites. This was on February 27th. You said, Bubba, Fowler, Oosthuizen, Jordan, Scott, Phil. And I said, oh, God, I was drunk. That, that dude that has been beaten by one guy total in his two Masters appearances is fourth? So I was talking about Spieth. Like, how do you right. have Spieth fourth? And you said, I'll take the top three, and you take Spieth for our bet. So you would take Bubba, Fowler, Oosthuizen. Okay. Um, and that's, all right, so I thought you were saying, uh, I'll take him to finish top three, or I'll take him okay, to not right, finish right, top right, three. Right. So I said, wow, you baited me into this one, but give me top three and a half, and I'll take it. He said, I'm confused, but it's late in Amsterdam, so I kind of get it. Yeah, I misread it, blah, blah, blah. And then you said, all right, no worry. It happens to the best of us. I'll take Bubs, Louie, and Ricky. You can have Spieth and two guys not named Rory. <laughs> you said Rory. I said, I said Spieth, Rory, Day is team in. <laughs> By the way, I, I am getting such a short in on this deal for this thing. <laughs> we, had to re, we had to do a 
draft on this. All right, so you get Speed Day and, and Rory. Jeez. No, no, that's what you you're, you specifically said. You don't get Rory, so I can't get him. This is not fair. So you, you can have. Some, I mean, Speed the Day is pretty good. So who's your third pick? Um. So wait, who's on your team then? It's Bubba Fowler and Ustazen. Oh God. Um. Oh, well, I should be more prepared for this. Bubba Fowler, Ustazen. Okay. Um. I get Speed Day and not Rory. I'll take Adam Scott. I was gonna say it's right there in front of you. That's a good one. That's, that's a, I mean that's a fairly okay. The, the outlier is probably Usti or Fowler. Yeah. I mean Bubba's done really well here. Speed Day Scott obviously has. So I mean I don't think it's that. I mean I think you might be the favorite by a little. But I, I have like three of the top four guys in the odds sheet. I'm feeling pretty yeah. damn good about it. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's okay. What are the stakes um, though? Is it like money earned or is it total strokes under par? Or yeah, what do you what do you want to do? We can do money earned. That seems like an easy way to do it. All right, money earned, and is it an avatar bet or is it something better than that? Um, let's let's think on it. Ask the okay. people out there. All right. Ask all. Ask the thousands of people still listening <laughs> at the hour and three mark. If you have made it this far, you get to choose. If, what, if you're if you've heard this part of the podcast. Just send a tweet at us, too, and we'll do whatever that is. Exactly. Whatever your suggestion is. First person to say it, we will make that the bet. That's a great point. Cool. That's the bet. All right. Whatever y'all say, I mean, as long as it's not, like, commit murder or, like, jump off of something really high, whatever it is, I mean, we're not going to get tattoos, but make it make it something we'll do. Yeah, That's my make point. it fun. Make it fun. We'll, yeah. Make it fun. We'll yeah, put a little exactly. consideration into what this is actually will be done, so... Exactly. We, we, we love it. We've done some Avatar things. It's been pretty fun. So we're in, we're in on whatever you decide. Cool. All right. Mr. Bacon, good luck with the podcast. Thank you again for your time. I will throw a link to your podcast page in this post as well. And, um, yeah, enjoy the match play this week, and we will see you on PGA Tour Live. Cool. Thanks, buddy. Anytime. Appreciate it. All right. Take care, man. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yes! Yeah! Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything.